Hello everybody and welcome to today's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. It is a jam-packed show, a lot to discuss in the world of sports. We're going to get right into it with my buddy Ryan Souls to recap week four of the NFL season. It was a wild one to say the least. We still don't know who's good and who's bad in this league. It's a topsy-turvy week. Certainly we're going to go over all the games and talk about all the matchups you need to know. And then I'm going to talk to Eric Roberts because tomorrow hockey season starts. We preview the NHL season 2017-2018 and make our early Stanley Cup picks. All that and more on the Money Mitch Effect, which starts right now. All right, week four of the NFL is in the books. Joining me on the show yet again, Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch Effect. Ryan, thanks for joining the show once again. What's going on, man? I'm happy to be here. Let's talk some football. It's hard to believe that after tonight's Monday night game, we record this on a Monday, after the Chiefs and Redskins play Ryan, the, the teams will be one quarter of the way done. Yeah, we're a quarter um, of the way through. It's unpredictable. I know I'm like kind of a curse given how bad my predictions have been the last couple of years, but I would honestly say, Ryan, that this is one of the most interesting years in the sense that I, don't, I still don't really know who the real contenders are. And that includes teams like the Patriots that have struggled, Pittsburgh, who we're not quite sure after that loss to the Bears. Kansas City's looked good, but there's a lot of teams that are just slightly above average. I, I think it's going to make for an unpredictable fall and winter. Yeah, yeah. I think um, there's just very few teams, to go back to your previous point, who we really don't know who they are yet. Like We thought we knew who they were coming into the season, and some teams have confirmed that. Some teams have been different. But going, you know, talking about tonight, I think we're in for a good matchup here. I think, you know, we could have some more parity. I think we could see an upset. But I also think you, you've been seeing both teams play really good defense. So I think this is going to cap off a really good way, a really good way to cap off of the first quarter of the season. Yeah, I mean, as far as primetime matchups go, this is a great one, a lot at stake. I think the Chiefs win. They, they show that they're... <laughs> You know, the class of the NFL, at least through the first quarter. And the Redskins, that would be back-to-back wins over over the Raiders and then Chiefs. And, you know, other than a uh, opening week one loss to the Eagles or, or showing that their defense and offense are, are pretty balanced. But there have been a lot of surprises, as I've mentioned, Ryan. Uh, I think that you could argue a lot about what the biggest surprise is, but I might say it's the 3-1 and one Los Angeles Rams, 35-30. to 30, And depending on what Kansas City does tonight – you know, they beat the Cowboys, Ryan. They have the best offense right now in the NFL. Who they do. in the heck saw that coming? I don't think anybody saw that coming. Uh, I tell you, 100% Jeff Fisher didn't see that coming. Uh, <laughs> hey, but I've, I've been wrong on a lot of predictions, and I've owned all of them. But I was the one that said I think golf is going to have a bounce back here. Now, even I was like, this is insane how much better this is. he's doing. But I think he's got weapons. He's got Sammy Watkins, who didn't even have a great game yesterday, but Watkins, Cup, Woods are three good receivers. He didn't have any good receivers last year. Gurley's back to running the ball like we know he can. And That's McVay's, important. And McVay's putting this offense, putting Goff in particular, in good spots to succeed. I think it's the perfect storm. And Jared Goff, I mean, everybody can have a bad rookie year. I think if you don't see growth in that second and third years, that's when they're, there's alarming you know, signs. But Goff is clearly a different quarterback in year two. 
And McVeigh's doing this all from his Gatorade cooler. Have you have you caught that? I like have, when, the, I have. when the defense is on the field, he's over on the Gatorade cooler doing his play call and stuff, so he can figure out what they're going to do for the next series. So this is literally a team with two brains, and they're they're three and one. Jared Goff playing really well. You know, you mentioned the weapons, and it can't be understated how important it is to have Todd Gurley playing like. You know, we thought Todd Gurley should have been playing all along, you know, last year. I think Jared Goff has just been really accurate. Just he he's making top notch quality quarterback throws, uh, especially in the red zone. Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was against San Francisco. He threw a pass to Tavon Austin in the back of the end zone. And you're just saying, how is a five, six guy supposed to catch that? And Jared Goff puts it there, and I, th- I think we could have said that they were doing this against bad competition up until yesterday, and I think now you know they're they're starting to turn a little bit, turn turn some heads. You know, even that Washington game that they lost, I thought Goff played pretty good, and yeah, you mm-hmm. can make the the bad competition argument. They play Seattle next week again, you know, one of those slugfest type games, but we'll see. But Depending, I mean, what's going on with Seattle gives the Rams an opening. I think at this point, it's crazy to say, but the Rams should be contenders in this division down the stretch. I mean, based on the rest of the division, based on the weapons that they have, the schedule not being that hard, I think the Rams have a chance to make things interesting. Defensively, let's not forget what got them to the dance, you know, what their calling card has been. And that defense, that interior specifically, Aaron Donald still a beast. And mm-hmm. I've seen the argument, and you could make a legitimate argument that Aaron Donald is the most dominant player in football on the defensive side of the ball. You could legitimately make that argument. What he did yesterday against the Cowboys, against Zach Martin, especially at a first all-pro tackle, I mean, he is up in that discussion. Oh, I agree 100%. I mean, he is just ferocious off that line, just almost impossible to block. And he might be the most dominant defensive player at least right now another weird year though for the cowboys who are you know sitting at two and two they've had their ups and downs there's been on field and off field stuff for them this team is just fascinating to me because i think we're seeing i don't want to say them regress to the mean but they have stretches i don't know if you noticed this ryan where they look awful early on they snap out of it but then down the stretch it seems like they wilt a little bit and I don't want to put too much of this on Dak Prescott but he's been pretty inconsistent at times this year he'll look great one drive and then pour the next yeah I think he's been inconsistent from drive to drive but I think the biggest tell of a quarterback at least for me especially a young quarterback is touchdown to interception ratio and I think that's been okay Uh, he hasn't been that careless with the football sorry about that in the background but no I think he's uh I think he has not been perfect hasn't been perfect but I don't think he's been careless with the football either I think I would give him a little bit more credit I don't think Des Bryant is making plays for him to be honest with you I think he's dropping balls I don't think Jason Witten can get open and I don't think at the skill positions they have any guys who can get past anybody yeah, I mean, and Zeke especially, I mean, he, he looks like he's regained the form. I just don't think their defense, Ryan, is good enough to where Dak can be this inconsistent. And what I mean by that is they don't have that dominant Denver-Minnesota-type defense. So if Dak makes these mistakes, I mean, look, they scored 30 points yesterday and they still lost. And they lost, right, so, right. But I do think this is going to be a drag-em-out division. I think 10, maybe even 9 wins could do it. I think these teams are going to beat each other. 
and I think it's going to be a dogfight to the end. Uh, Money Mitch Effect with Ryan Souls. Another game I want to talk about, Ryan, in a fascinating game. The Panthers beat the Patriots late. First things first, the positives. Cam Newton with the bounce back game. A lot of people were questioning if he still had it, what his status was. And I don't know about this team. There's still some issues on both sides of the ball. But it was refreshing to see Cam Newton have a throwback game to two seasons ago. I don't know if he can maintain it. But it was a great thing to see Cam as that dual threat quarterback that we were accustomed to seeing. Yeah, I agree. It was really good to see Cam uh, kind of return to some old form. I think... They actually got a uh, favor, though, from the Houston Texans with Deshaun Watson giving them a blueprint for how they want to attack New England. I think them not being able to handle Deshaun Watson and him almost beating them was the perfect stage for Cam Newton to come in as a more experienced quarterback, a bigger quarterback, and really exploit New England's defense and throw it right down the middle of the field where they've shown that they can't defend. So I think this was kind of a perfect scenario for Cam Newton to step into, having seen what Deshaun Watson did to him the week before. And Ryan, the Patriots have given up over 120 points this season. You know, they give up 33 again. (laughs) I don't know Mm -hmm. what's wrong with this defense. We've seen New England defenses that have kind of had to figure it out as the season's gone on, and they're not really sure what they are, and they snap into it. But let's just call it what it is. That front seven is not very good. And I don't know what's going to change, what Belichick can do, what this defense can do. But when you have games by Brady, by that offense, and you mm-hmm. still don't result in victories, that's a pretty poor sign, I would think. Yeah, well, there's not a lot you can do on a short week, so I wouldn't expect many adjustments. I think they go to Tampa Bay on Thursday, so I wouldn't expect yeah. too many adjustments. Yeah. But I think going forward, when's the last time we saw a Patriots secondary this bad? Like they, And Probably I know you mentioned the front seven. <laughs> But they, they've allowed so many big plays. You're right. I and think it's hand-in-hand, hand, though. I think they're not getting pressure, and that's giving guys like Cam Newton and even Deshaun Watson time to, and Alex Smith time to mm-hmm. sit back and really carve them up. The secondary, yeah. there's too many penalties. You know, Gilmore just did not have a good game. Butler, no, Butler's got the issue. I think it's the off-the-field yeah. stuff of is he a long-term guy uh, on that team. Yeah, I think that's bothering him. It's just it's weird to see this team. Now we're not we're not writing the pass off by no stretch. They've been two and no. two before and won Super Bowls, but in a year that's unpredictable like this, it's very very valid to have concerns with this Pats team because you know what happens in the playoffs. You can't count on thirty plus points a game. Your defense is going to have to win you a game or two, and I know right now they're not there. No, I don't <laughs> think they're there either, and I think honestly. Seeing the game we saw yesterday out of the Buffalo Bills, if you're the Buffalo yeah. Bills, I think you're circling the New England Patriots on your schedule because they might sense a wounded gazelle here, and I think they may try to go after it, at least in the first matchup they see them. Let's so, talk, yeah, let's talk about that game because I'm I'm really interested to hear your take on the Bills. The Bills beat the Falcons yesterday 23-17, to and they're 3-1. and one. Now, <laughs> they beat the Jets week one, which... We you know the Jets now are two and two, but that wasn't a game that people thought was a statement win. They could have beat the Panthers. They lose an ugly game week two, week three. Um, you know, last week they beat Denver in a game that was down to the wire, had some interesting penalties, and then they beat Atlanta in a one possession game that had a lot of ups and downs to it. Some injured guys on Atlanta, which we'll get to in a second, but. I don't know that the Bills are contenders, Ryan. I don't know what their what their end game is. They trade a lot of talent. I know one thing that Coach McDermott has a well coached team, and they yeah, are fundamentally sound, well coached. They're not going to beat themselves, and they're going to be in just about every game that they're in. 
I agree. I think and that was the exact point I was going to make. I think we've just seen a culture difference from uh, from Rex Ryan and McDermott. I think this team is just so much better coached. Everything you get against the Bills, you're going to earn. Like you said, they're not going to beat themselves. And the way that they play football is very, I would say, simplistic on offense. They're going to minimize the amount of times that Tyrod Taylor has to throw the ball, make sure he doesn't cost them anything and then they're just going to try to run the football and play you know really good defense and just be hard to beat and you know they they caught matt ryan on a bad day and um i think didn't julio jones go out the game with an injury so i think i and i I don't know you know what was the different six points yeah so (laughs) and and they had the ball in the red zone at the end of that game fourth and i think two and right great all credit to the bills but if Julio plays, I have a hard time believing the Falcons don't win that game. And as far as Atlanta goes, there's worse losses to have. I know they lost at home. It sucks. But they lost the game that they were in. Ryan oh, had a bad the, day. How about the last game of the season last year? There's, yeah. there's far worse games to lose. <laughs> exactly. exactly. But yeah. I, mean, I, I guess I meant more in terms of regular season. Okay, but, I got you. you know, Coleman's a guy I think they need to get the ball to more. Just a little side note. And. When Vic Beasley's back, uh, that's the guy I think that makes that defense go. Sack leader last year, um, but look, the Bills played well, and I don't want to you know diminish what they're going to do, Ryan. But I think we just see this story time and time again of the feel good regular season team that eventually I just don't know that the offense is there in the playoffs. But hey, if the Pats are struggling, the Bills can give them games. We've seen that before, uh, mm-hmm. and then you know the rest of that division, Ryan, with the Jets speeding the Jaguars in a really weird really weird game the Jets are the only team in all the sports I don't think that has figured out how to tank successfully no not at all <laughs> and that Dolphin Saints game man we just keep giving London the worst games like I don't know what it is but we give them the worst football games possible yeah for a sport that's trying to you know go international and bring its brand international they sure do give the overseas audiences some terrible games it's just, you know, <laughs> you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth here. Like, you, you want people to embrace your product instead of soccer. You know, you want the <laughs> NFL to be football. But, you know, you give them awful shutouts. Would you uh, say it was I, 50-50 just having the travel routine and Jay Cutler the other half? <laughs> uh, no, I think it's 100% Jay Cutler. Okay. You're a professional. I think you figure out the travel thing. You know, this is what these players get paid to do. I think somebody has to win, somebody has to lose. But to me, and part of that was Jay Cutler as a joke, but knowing the offense, him coming in with gaze, you can't hang zero points. You just, you can't. You're, you're a veteran. They were supposed to have weapons. And Landry, their defense was supposed to be better. And this team has just continued to be bad. Did you see that? There was a part in that game. I know Keller was awful yesterday. No defending that. But did you see the part in the game when it was like still 13 nothing, third down and like 20, and they just ran the ball like nine minutes left? Like, mm-hmm. you think, do you think Belichick and McDaniels are just running the ball, white, white, flag, white flagging it? Yeah, nine just, minutes here left? you go. Right. I mean, I, that was ridiculous. I do. One other thing on this game, Ryan, is the Adrian Peterson experiment over in New Orleans? I mean,. I don't even know. I think it was over week one. It, I think it should be, and I don't know if he's washed, if he's done playing, but he does not fit that offense. Yeah, this is not the team for him. It's it's not. And uh, this this was a really a pipe dream. I think on paper, it's like, oh, you got Drew Brees handed off to Adrian Peterson, but it's obvious that 
was I think his first name was Alvin Alvin Kamara. Kamara, yeah, he fits yeah, it perfectly. He, yeah, he he's the best back for that system. People say he's a, a younger version of Darren Sproles. Adrian Peterson is just. I don't even want to say he's not that guy. I don't even know what he's capable of at this point because we're not going to get a chance to see. Yeah, we aren't, but we'll see. I'm still not giving up on the Saints yet, though. They're back to 500. So oh, yeah, no, they're done. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, better than some teams, which we'll get to in oh, a second. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but, all right, Money Mitch Effect, Ryan Souls, Week 4 NFL recap. And one of the unfortunate things in the NFL this week, Ryan, Bad, bad injury Sunday. Just no other ways about it. A lot of guys going down with injuries. We lost Carr and Mariota again uh, to injuries that we'll get to in a second. And then rookie running backs just get injured as well with Dalvin Cook for the Vikings out for the year. And Chris Carson, the Seahawks, running back the seventh-round pick out of Oklahoma State, who had been their starter, their bell cow. He broke his ankle. Looks like he's done for a while. Just a rough day in general. Uh, we're always waiting for these days, unfortunately. And mm-hmm. I think it really sucks, especially when you talk to skill guys like this, Ryan, because they could have swung the entire like, postseason race in one injury. And that's what I think of when I think of what happened to Carr and the Raiders, when I think of Mariota, if he misses a game or more than that. I mean, these are big, big injuries for teams to have early in the season. They are. They are. And, I mean, what is the, the deal with ACLs in Minnesota, Bridgewater and – Dalvin Cook, I mean, it's just a terrible situation because his team just, I think they feel like they're on the brink of Cook doing something was, really Cook special. Was so good, man. He yeah, was he so was. I mean, he is. He is. And, you know, I think if you're Adrian Peterson, you're like, wow, well, what, what just happened to me? <laughs> I know. I know. Well, let's, uh, you know, in terms of the quarterback position, Carr gets the back injury and it was weird, you know, having especially having Romo comment the game and, and break down what had happened to him in his past. They lose that game by six points to Denver. Now they drop to two and two. It's going to be EJ Manuel time for two to six weeks. But that team had trouble prior to that injury. They were going on two weeks of the offense kind of being stuck in neutral. And I think part of it is the fact that that line just isn't as good as we thought they were. You know, and yeah. the other part too is Amari Cooper is just dropping passes left and right. That might be the most stunning drop off of any skill position guy this year. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right there, and I think you know, Mitch, this was a team that you and I both preseason were high on. I think to really do some damage, and, and the AFC and and the playoffs. But we're not in September anymore. The extension of the preseason, which is kind of the first two weeks of the regular season is done. I think you're kind of starting to see who teams are and maybe Oakland isn't just isn't as good as we really thought they were. I think outside of Khalil Mack, that defense is mediocre. And like you said, that offensive line isn't as good as we thought either. And, um, you know, a back is nothing to play with from a quarterback standpoint or from really from any player, from any position. So I think it's really going to be interesting because that, that, that AFC West is tough. And, you know, this team has really got to turn it around. It is tough. You know, Denver, they're calling card his defense. Simeon's not the greatest quarterback, but he does just enough. He's he's going to make plays when he needs to. Yeah, he's Trent Dilfer out there, man. And Denver's comfortable with that. You know, with that defense yeah. and that running game, hey, they'll win ugly. A lot of teams would take that win ugly approach if it had the results Denver had. Uh, Tennessee just got destroyed by Houston. And I want to give all props to Deshaun Watson because he does look like he has it as a legit signal caller. 
Though yeah, I will he was say play, he was playing Madden out there. On hasn't, him. He hasn't exactly played a legit NFL defense yet, and I'm including the Patriots in there, given what they've done. So I I'm, agree. I'm all on board on Watson, but let's just wait till they play a Denver. Or they play somebody like that before we crown him, as uh, oh, the screen would say. I'm with you 100. percent But the Titans' defense. I mean, you talk about Oakland's D looking bad. That D can't stop anybody, and it doesn't matter if it's Mariota, Matt Castle, Tom Brady, Brett Favre. They are not going to have enough offense to win with that defense. No, they're not. They're not. I mean, you you can't give up 57 points. No. You just, you can't. There's nothing else to be said. There really isn't. Watson looked great out there. I mean, talk about the luckiest guy in the the world in the NFL this year is probably what, DeAndre Hopkins? Absolutely. Quarterback purgatory to to maybe the lottery ticket? I don't know. The lottery ticket. Mm Mm-hmm. But, no, it's uh, it it was an interesting week, Ryan. I do want to talk about... Your team getting a home game out here in Los Angeles against the Chargers, mm. um, and and I don't <laughs> I don't want to give too much props to Eagles fans because everybody gets a home game against the Chargers. Everybody, so it's their stadium like twenty five thousand people. Yeah, and it was about fifty fifty, if that. So it is rough. Um, but hey, props out to uh, Charger ownership for making the call to come to LA where no one supported them. You know, absolutely right. Right, But the Eagles have a good approach, too, and I want to give a lot of credit to Wentz, the same credit that I gave to Goff. He's a guy that made leaps in his second year. He's more accurate. He's taken on more of a leadership role. And even Doug Peterson, who I don't think is the best coach. I got at to, all. I got to admit this, though, Ryan. They're at least running the ball. Blunt got yeah. to run the ball, and they, they don't win that game yesterday if they don't run the ball. So I think it's baby steps for Peterson and that offensive rushing attack, but it's good to at least keep the defense honest. And I was impressed by the Eagles yesterday. Yeah, I was impressed too. Uh, really on both sides of the ball at times, less the defense at times, but the offense, I'm really impressed with Carson Wentz. I just think now the team is figuring out how to put teams away early because this game shouldn't have been that close. I know Phillip Rivers kind of got on late. This offense got on late, but – you know, you have a foot, your foot on somebody's throat. You got to know how to put them down. Yeah. Oh. And, and, and you know, Blunt, Blunt did that. He he put he put the stiff arm on old old boy. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it it didn't have to get to that point. Well, the Chargers are the kings of losing close games this year. They are sitting there on four last year too. I'm still yeah, absolutely. I'm still not sold on the Eagles for one reason, Ryan, and that's they do find a way to blow leads. Like it's a low key fact about them. So uh-huh. that's gonna have to shore up and I do think this division will be a dog fight, but the Chargers actually next week get the battle of two on four teams when they take yeah, out the Giants. They get the the Giants. Giants on the other hand, look, the Giants were right there with Tampa Bay, but couldn't get the stops down the stretch. You know, it's a typical Giants where they're right there, but they're just I, again McAdoo. I don't think is a good coach at all either, and I don't think he helps his team out that much from the sideline. But I want to talk about Tampa because Tampa looked good when they needed to. I uh-huh. just think it's the same old story with Jameis. Like I, I think he's too up and down. Like we talked about Dak Prescott earlier. Like Jameis made all the throws in the clutch, and I do think he's clutch. But where is that for four quarters against a Giants defense that's clearly beatable? Yeah, he really should have been shredding them. Uh, I'm not. He didn't have an interception in that game, did he? I don't think so. But I don't think so. Yeah, I just you know he was a little bit inconsistent. But my thing is with Jameis is just don't give don't give the ball to the other team. You know, I think they can live with everything else. But against the Giants defense, you are supposed to really shred them up. But right, twenty-two for thirty-eight, I, uh, I, no picks. But you know that's not a yeah. good. I don't have the math with me, but that's almost fifty percent. So. His accuracy wasn't there yesterday. 
that throw he made to Mike Evans for that um, close call touchdown, yeah. I think they waved it off. That I mean, that I think when you're getting a ceiling, that's what you're getting at Jameis Winston. But I think to what you said, he's just got to be more consistent. He does. Um, but it's good to see that he can make the throws in big moments. They get Doug Martin back next week, and we'll mm-hmm. see. I think he's definitely an upgrade from Jaquiz Rogers. So this team could be a team on the move. Uh, and, you know, you really haven't seen a Deshaun Jackson explosion yet either. No, not at so, all. So, no, I think, I think that's due at some point. Because at, at some point you're going to have to play Mike Evans and Deshaun one-on-one. That division is going to be fascinating. Yeah. It really is. It um, is. A division that I don't think is going to be fascinating at all, Ryan Soul's Money Mitch Effect, is the AFC North. Because Oof. unless Roethlisberger gets hurt, I don't see anybody else in this division challenging them. And I would have said Baltimore, but now I think the injuries uh-huh. are just too much. They've no, lost think, how many linemen they lose? I think one I, last week, one this week. I mean, that's two of five for a for an already suspect unit. Yeah. To me, this this starts and stops with Joe Flacco. I mean, you got how how much money did he make in right. two twenty twelve? But this okay, you make a but you bring up a good point. But this team has a lot of holes in it. Like oh, they do. That, but but yeah. but he, they said he didn't have weapons. They went out and got him Jeremy Macklin, Mike Wallace. Rashard Perriman. Mm-hmm. Well, I Perriman, believe. I don't know. A, does Perriman have a catch in the NFL yet? Yeah, he, he got one. He got one. But he's. I mean, he's supposed to be a decent receiver before the this year started. So, you know, last year, oh, Flacco didn't have weapons. The defense was supposed to be, you know, a little better this year. And thirty-one or forty-nine, one touchdown, two picks on a hundred twelve million dollars. It, it's scary. Yeah. Sometimes those. <laughs> Hey, sometimes those quarterback deals make up uh, are are worth it. I mean, I was critical as just as you were about Stafford, but he's playing pretty well this year. Yeah, he is playing well. He is. He is. I mean, yeah, part of that is both. part of that yeah. is the people, the 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 skill players, and the coaches around him. Because mm-hmm. I would say that the number one reason for Stafford's surgeons, even is without the old head coach gone. Well, I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm not uh, yeah. Caldwell. I'm so, not a huge fan of, but no, Jim Bob Cooter. Oh, the other guy. What was yeah. uh? Oh yeah, Schwartz. Yeah, yeah, Jim Schwartz. Him. Yeah, I think, I think that's the biggest thing for Stafford's success. I think success. Jim Bob Cooter, when he got promoted to OC, I think it was this time last year. They were in a rut, and his numbers went up pretty significantly in the second half of the season. Uh, they made the playoffs. I just think he's dialing up plays for him, and he's played well too. But uh, the Ravens just don't have the manpower this year. Um, no. The Bengals are not good, and the Browns, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> Just, man, week one, I was really holding out for you guys because Kaiser looked all right. I was like, okay, Hugh Jackson, quarterback whisperer. They look like they want to fight and be okay, and then they turn into the Browns. So, I, in in terms of just cash in my wallet right now, I think I have about thirty bucks. I will pay that right. to the Browns today to get rid of Kenny Britt. Ooh, <laughs> that is ridiculous that he's still yeah, on the yeah. field. Yeah, he shouldn't even be. I on mean, the team. gee, like you're yeah. not. Not only are you not affecting the game, you're affecting it negatively. Mm-hmm. That's where, I, like, and I get, you know, these are professionals, but when you make mistakes, you shouldn't keep playing. Like, I agree. You know, I just uh, it's as a Browns game. fan, do you wish you still had Joe Hayden or no? I know we talked about this preseason, but I'm just curious what you honestly, think. Honestly, honestly, Ryan, it wouldn't make a difference. Um, yeah. In terms of the money, I get why you know they made that move, and and watching Williams's defense, which Greg Williams's defense hasn't been doing too much, but the scheme is we want cornerbacks that can make tackles, help right. support. 
that's not Joe Hayden. So it is not. It could not. be a scheme type thing as no. well. Uh, a couple more things here, Ryan Souls and the Money Mitch Effect, before we wrap this up. I did want to get your opinion on the suspension that got handed down. I know we didn't talk about the Thursday night game, but the Packers beat the Bears, but that vicious hit Danny Trevathan on Devontae Adams, he got two mm-hmm. games. It's the first time. It's a big deal because the first time since the new rules that they've actually enacted a suspension after the fact on a play that was not an ejection. Uh-huh. Did you agree with this? Did you have a problem with this? Do you like this direction that the league took? Um, you know, I watched that play a lot over and over and over again, and I definitely think it was a dirty play, but I don't think – I'm not sure how how malicious his intent was. So two games didn't bother me. I think we have all this instant replay technology and, a bit and ability to look at this stuff. I think for something like this, I don't mind – the retroactive suspension. But had he gotten more than two games, I think I might have had some questions. That hit was vicious, mm-hmm. but I don't think it was. I See, to me, there's something different between that and like a Vontez Burvick hit. Yeah, and that's well, just that's me. I want I want to say one thing first. We don't have any track record of Trevathan being an outright dirty exactly, player. exactly. Um, and it's really hard in this day and age in any sport to prove intent. Right, but one thing you can prove is recklessness. That was vicious and that was reckless, and he's it was reckless. punished for it. Because if you watch the hit, he's tied up. Trevathan runs back into the play, lowers the crown of his helmet. Now, exactly. if he says in his heart of hearts that he didn't mean to just destroy him right on the right on his head, okay, I could maybe see that. But he lowered the crown of his helmet. He used his helmet as a weapon, and it was going to be flagged regardless. So uh, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's good, and I think hopefully this you know gets to that point. Now it's funny because. Yeah, like you said, like college, we have all this reviewing, and college will still review hits, and I don't have a problem with that. You know, yeah. That could have been a reviewable hit. If something that vicious happens in the course of a game, I don't have a problem with them deciding, okay, we're going to review this. So it was unfortunate. I hope Adams recovers, but you know, you don't want to see that anymore, especially in this NFL. No, you don't, you don't. But on a positive note, Ryan, from Sunday, one of the blown bright spots in their season so far, we got to give credit where credit's due. The most reliable receiver in the NFL, probably in this generation, Larry Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. coming up with yet another clutch catch to beat the Niners in overtime. They were actually losing that game when he made the catch in the end zone. And, Ryan, it's just another long list of examples for why I think this is the best big game receiver maybe since Michael Irvin. Can I say that? I think you might actually be able to say that. I mean, every catch – that he can make, he makes. It seems like anything thrown his way, he's coming down with it. And time in and time out when it's a big game and a clutch moment, everybody knows if it's a pass, if it's drills getting the ball and they can't stop it. It's, uh, yeah. What I saw something like uh, when he had that catch on Monday night against the Cowboys, you know, last week. Uh, mm-hmm. He fought for the ball, caught it, and, the, and, the, and then he helped the guy up after. You know, being yeah. the class guy that he is, and it was uh, uh-huh. Gerald will will suck your soul out and then lift you up. Oh yeah, because I mean, he was fighting for the ball. I mean, like that. He'll yeah, I mean, but that's a game recognized game thing. Because yeah. I mean, that was that that was competition. And yeah. Richard like, Sherman okay. said, I think in an interview that he hates playing against Fitz because he's too nice. Yeah, he's always like, "You had a good year. I'm proud of you." And he's like, "Stop talking to me." But right, right. It's, uh, no, I mean, he's a big game receiver. He, he not only just. Not only the plays that he catches the ball, and this is why in a lot of debates over who's better between Fitz and other receivers, Andre Johnson, you know, whoever you may name, I go mm-hmm. Fitz because like any great athlete, great player, he's making an impact when the ball's not going to him. 
He blocks while oh, he runs. Oh, he blocks, he's, absolutely. He's, he switched over from outside into the slot in the last couple of years because it helped the team with Arians' mm-hmm. offense. So um, it's just a joy to watch. And it sucks, man, that he's probably going to retire without getting a ring, and I, and I don't like it. <laughs> no, I don't either because I think he's – you know, I never like to say players deserve rings. I think it's stuff that's earned. But I do think if he's on the short list of guys that deserved – to have gotten a, chi- a title, and he had a chance to play for one, and he made a huge impact. Oh, that was the uh, best postseason yeah, run maybe ever. I've never seen anything like that in my life. On that slant route, he just took it. You knew they were going to win the game, and then they came back down. You know, Ben, you know, the, your your boy at Ohio State, but um, yeah. you know, Larry is a Hall of Famer, and it's just it's amazing to still watch him. It is. Well, uh, we'll see if he can, you know, get the Cardinals on track. Doesn't look good this year. Don't know how many years left he has in the league, but he's still playing at a very, very high level. All right, Ryan Soul's Money Mitch Effect. Last thing we like to do on this show is admit where we were wrong. Instead of what we learned, it's where we were wrong. And so through four weeks, Ryan, do you have an area where you're like, I, I might have been wrong about this thing uh, in the NFL? Ooh, let me think right off the top of my head. And it could be a week-to-week analysis or just the general trend you're seeing. And uh, I, could get I, the, I, mean, I could get the ball rolling on, okay. on one thing because yeah. I, I've talked about the Giants and how I was wrong on them for a while, but I'm starting to see it with the Raiders too. And that's where this is a, a an Oakland team that I don't know that they have, dare I say, enough playmakers on offense mm-hmm. because if Crabtree got hurt in that game, you know, got, got hurt two weeks ago, and they had a tough time with anybody making a play. And all we heard about was this Raiders offensive attack. And Cooper's not having a good year. I just don't know where the playmakers are coming from. So that's what's scaring me right now. <laughs> no, I think I'm with you. And you had stole my thunder previously. I was going with the Giants. I I just expected, you know, had you told me oh, they, they were going to go 0-4, but Eli was getting the ball around and, Brandon Marshall and Odell and Shepard were all having decent seasons. They were just kind of doing what the Chargers were doing, losing some close games. I might believe you. But this team is awful. And (laughs) on offense, it's just, it's sad because, you know, and we like to think we know a little bit of football, but in terms of the intense schematics, you know, we can kind of speak the language. We're not crazy, but even us can look at it and say, okay, Odell's about to get the ball here, and everybody knows he's going to get the ball. They still can't stop him, but they just know if they let him get his and take everybody else away, they can't do anything. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to watch. Uh, on the positive side, I'd say I'm wrong about the Lions. I kind of put them down in the uh, preseason, and uh, they're looking solid. And if the Vikings, Bradford's hurt and Cook's out, Mm-hmm. The Lions could swoop in for a wild card, just like old times. So yeah, they really uh, could. They could. But all right, Ryan Souls, this was fun. Next week, though, there's some big games. So we got some big games coming up, starting with the Pats and Bucks on Thursday. It's the Panthers and the Lions play. Texans Chiefs is another one that has my attention, and of course, what is always the game of the year whenever these two teams play, so to speak, the Packers and the Cowboys in Jerry World. So oh, that is, oh, okay. I didn't even. I was thinking about um. Ram Seahawks. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Packers. I forgot Packers Cowboys play this weekend. It gets me thinking about two and three. That sounds really good. I hope uh, Aaron Rodgers can pull that out. Oh, yeah. No, you're always a big Aaron Rodgers fan when they play Dallas. I know. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. I, I, just, I, uh, 
I rock that championship belt when they play. <laughs> I just want to know, are they fooling me with this Seahawks-Rams game? The over-under at like 47 points. It, I know it's a new Rams team, but these are 12-9 games every year, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I don't, yeah, yeah. This is going to be a long drag them out uh, uh, dogfight, I think. Just like old times. All right, Ryan, appreciate it. This is fun. We'll have to uh, do a mid-season recap. Absolutely. But, uh, thanks again, and good luck with everything. Of course, man. Thanks. Happy to be here. Big thanks to Ryan Souls for hopping on the show. He's welcome here anytime. And after we recorded, the Chiefs went on to beat the Redskins, which I'm sure many of you saw last night. Another big win for the Chiefs as they remain perfect at 4-0. That is a very, very good team. The Redskins were very tough. That was just a good football game. It was good. It was pretty much clean played. Uh, Josh Norman got hurt, which he didn't like to see. But it was a good game. And the Chiefs right now, at least through one quarter of the season, are the class of the NFL. We will see if that changes. But we're going to switch sports and go to the hockey rink. Eric Roberts coming on the show. He's a Fox Sports radio producer, writes for the Hockey Writers, does some other podcast stuff as well. We're going to preview the hockey season because it's time. It's here. Four divisions to get through. A new team at Vegas Golden Knights. Will the Penguins get a three-peat? Is it time for the Oilers, the Blue Jackets, the Capitals to finally break through? Who else could be a team? The Blackhawks, you know they're good. And what to make of this L.A. Kings team, all that and more. It's the Money Mitch Effect NHL season preview with Eric Roberts. Here it is now. All right, we're about 24 hours away from hockey season. And now joining me on the Money Mitch Effect to preview 2017-2018 NHL season recurring guest friend of the program. Fox Sports radio producer and hockey writers contributor Eric Roberts. Eric, welcome back to the Money Mitch Effect. Oh man, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Hockey's on the horizon. It's the best time of year. All the all the leagues are kicking into action. You got playoff baseball, NFL's in full gear, and hockey's right on the corner. So I know. It's a good time uh, to be a sports fan. It really is. Everything is uh, about to ramp up. Uh, we start, you know, with football obviously getting us going, baseball playoffs. But yeah, it's it's always good when hockey gets started and. We've been waiting for it. You know, it's been four months. We have a new team in the league, a lot of new developments. And I do want to start, though, with kind of this youth movement in the NHL. I think this might be, I think I saw a stat recently, Eric, that this is as young as the NHL's been in terms of depth of young players. And I think you really start to see it. We're on the verge, I would think, of some of these young players breaking through in terms of winning some serious awards and winning some championships. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, you, you, we already kind of saw it with Connor McDavid last year, you know, with all the hard work he took home with that, through the NHL Awards show. He had Jack Eichel, who had a stellar season, put up career numbers, and he missed a couple, he missed a couple weeks to start off the season with an ankle injury. You have other young studs, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews up in Toronto Maple Leafs that are probably going to have another outstanding year with that youth movement going on up there. Patrick Liney in, in Winnipeg, who's saying that, you know, people are giving him a shot at the Rocket Richard Trophy this year, but... There's a new a wave of youthful skill in the NHL, and you know I think there it's in really good hands moving forward as the league gets gets going. And it's continuing to shift to this you know young speed skill, speed and skill kind of game away from you know that brute old kind of man kind of game that 
we grew up watching. Yeah, and I think you see that too. I mean, the biggest thing is if you can't skate, you're not going to make it very long in this league. You have to be fast in, in this day and age. And I think it's why you're seeing certain veteran players you know, have their careers come to an abrupt end. But on the flip side of that, if a veteran still has his legs and can still play a la Patrick Marlowe signed with the uh, Maple Leafs, then there's still a place for players in this league. I just think it's fascinating to watch anytime a major sports league has that like passing of the torch moment. And the biggest thing for me to watch this year is, is McDavid ready to be the guy? Because there's a guy in Pittsburgh who's won two straight Stanley Cups that's not quite ready to give away the torch. Yeah, yeah. The, the NHL's in a kind of an awkward spot because, you know, they do have the uh, kind of the face of the past. I, I mean, I don't want to say the past because Crosby's still got it. I mean, they, like you said, he's won back-to-back Cups. He still looks like possibly the best player in the league. But, you know, then there's still other people out there writing about, you know, it, McDavid could be the best player in the league and is this the passion of the torch, passing of the torch season. But the NHL is in a great spot. They have tons of people that can be the face of the NHL. You have, you have Crosby still. You have McDavid. You have Ovechkin still out there. And you have all these young guns. And then you have the people that even faded to the back of the class for some reason. You, have, you still have the Jonathan Tays and the Patrick Kings. So it's in a really good spot, the NHL, right now. It is, and I want to start our preview by looking division by division, four in total, and then we'll just kind of see who we think is going to make the playoffs. But we'll start with perhaps still the most least, uh, the least overwhelming division. That's the Pacific, which last year Eric was won by the Ducks. The Oilers were two points back. The Sharks and Flames also made the playoffs. They petered out just under a hundred points, but. This is your classic, you know, old age wisdom versus youth movement here as the Ducks have been holding on. They've won a couple of these division titles in a row, but everybody likes the Oilers this year. Would it shock you if anybody else was in this division race? Because honestly, it would probably shock me. I got to think it's a two horse race between these two squads. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, you kind of feel it's it's the Pacific Division. I was actually looking and going through some stuff yesterday and the Pacific Division kind of does have is the last division holding on to some of that heavy hitting you know putt control down low kind of style of hockey with you know the ducks the sharks and the kings i mean even with the king's movements their their changes came in the front offices on the bench not really not really too much change on the ice but yeah i think that the edmonton oilers could run away with this division they're just so young so skilled they have a goalie now in cam talbot they're stocked with stockpiled with with talent on the blue line up front down the center it's just really going to come down to whether or not you know they they're still a young team and whether or not they can handle being looked at as the team to beat in the division for an entire length of an 82 game season this year. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and I think there's a reason why a lot of people are picking them as a darling potential cup team, even at this age. We we can talk about McDavid till we're blue in the face, but the biggest thing you mentioned is depth up front. Drysaitel is a stud. He he is on his way to being a big star in this league. But it's more than just the big names. You know, they find Drake Kaluga, who played at uh, North Dakota, and he comes in, fits in perfect on their line. They get Milan Luchas to beef up the front line. And we talked about this last year, Eric. They were a team that we weren't sure if they were going to last. They hit a rough patch uh, in, like, February, March. They finished 8-2 and two down the stretch, and I would have to think that propelled them to success in the playoffs where they were just a game away from the conference finals. They definitely quieted some haters with how they performed on the stretch and even how they performed in the playoffs. And, I mean, I think the fans in Edmonton are ready for, you know, that next step, however far they can go into the playoffs. But it's going to come down to whether or not, you know, that, that young core, that team can handle being, being playing with a target on their back for a full season. 
I got to wonder about the Ducks and the Sharks, though, because they're teams that, and maybe I'm getting flashbacks from the Kings, where they held on, held on, and then the floor just dropped out from under them. I think the Ducks are in better shape depth-wise, but the Sharks is, is specifically, I should say, they are a team that I'm not sure how much longer the window is, and I think if they have a step, step back here, it could be miss the playoff step back here. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, with those two teams along with the Kings, you know, they're they're kind of, they're kind of maybe propping open their Stanley Cup window with the guys they have. You know, the Sharks they have Pavelski, and then up, up uh, down south you have the, the, the Ducks with you know the Getzloff, the Perrys, and then even the Sharks or the Kings, Kopitar, um, Dowdies, and and all that. You know, it's how, how how much longer you know do, do these core groups of guys have together with being successful and you know being um, productive in, in this new kind of wave of youthful talent you know these guys are getting older I mean Joe Thornton looks old he has he has the full grade beard now I mean, <laughs> but it's you have to really think how much of a window these with these cores in the Pacific have with other teams and other divisions you know going with the youth move and these guys are really sticking in and holding on to these guys that have had this successful past but you know it's going to be interesting to see how they hang up or how they hang with you know these new kids in the league every year. Yeah, I think one thing saving these teams is the division is pretty weak at the bottom. We still don't know what to expect from Phoenix, from Arizona or Vancouver. They they had pretty pedestrian subpar years last year. Calgary, though, an interesting team. It, it's the same old song and dance with them. Offensively, they're gifted, but the back line, they had Mike Smith as their goalie this year. Can we still tr- trust them? They just signed Yager. I don't know if that's going to be the, uh, the push that gets them over the top, but Calgary is always that wild card team you never really know about. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, the goaltending with them has always been their Achilles heel. They're kind of like the Flyers. They've always kind of fielded good teams, but, you know, they've always kind of fallen short when it comes to the crease ever since, you know, Mika Kiprasov left. There's really no, been no stud back there. I mean, it's really been night and day because Kiprasov would, you know, he would suit up for an absurd amount of games, be out there for, and give his team a chance to win in every game. And it's kind of, ever since then, it's just been a, a huge hole for him and a huge weak spot. But, the Ducks and the Oilers are probably the, the, the two in the head of this class, and, you know, and then the Kings and the Sharks are, shouldn't be – nobody should be as shocked if, you know, if they make any waves, you know, just because they do have that veteran presence. You know, they've been there with their guys countless times. Yeah, the Kings are just fascinating to me, Eric, because they still have that core. They made all those front office changes. You know, it's, Ru- it's Robitaille and Blake, and it's Stevens, who's very similar to, to uh, what Sutter was as a coach. But I just I still don't know where and I and I love Jonathan Quick and Drew Doughty obviously but I still don't know where the offense comes from and while it wouldn't surprise me if they made a push to get into the playoffs I have a tough time liking their chances against the Edmontons and Chicago's when I just don't know where they're going to get the goal scoring from. Yeah, I mean that you you know that that was real that was their their Achilles heel last year. I mean they finished I think bottom three in the league uh, with goals per game last year and goals for. It's it's always kind of been the Kings the Kings problem is you know they 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 play from the back end out they lock down D they they play tight defense tight checking and they try to win those you know those three two two one games but the way the NHL is going now it's like you need to be able to run and gun in the game here and there and outside of you know Jeff Carter to Foley and Pearson last season they just weren't doing it they did bring in Michael Camilleri this year but I mean that's you know he's a shell of what he was back when he was with the Kings in, in the early two thousands. But it's just going to have to come from within, and they're going to have to hope, you know, Kopitar has a rebound year, Dowdy is more productive this year, and then, you know, the, the young guys coming up to the system can contribute with these older guys that have been here for, you know, two cup runs. 
It's certainly going to be fascinating to see if they can find the offense somewhere, but we'll have to monitor that. All right, Eric Roberts, Money Mitch Effect. Let's go to the Central Division, which I still think, depth-wise at least, is probably as deep a division as you'll find in the National Hockey League, which saw four teams go to the playoffs. And I'll start with the team at the top of the Heat. I'll start actually. I'll start with those Predators because they made the play. They made the Cup run as an eight seed, a remarkable run for them. But it's always hard, you know. They got so close and they missed out. It's always you know you hear about the the Stanley Cup hangover, some pieces floating around. Pecker and a little shaky on the back end. What's your read on realistically if this team can make another deep run? Oh man, I don't know. I don't know. It's the the Central Division's tough, and you know they came two wins away from hoisting the Stanley Cup, and you know everybody kind of jumped on the bandwagon. They they jumped on the they drank the Smashville Kool Aid mm-hmm. per se, but it's it's tough to give somebody to say that you know the Predators can go in a deep deep run again, or you know even make it out of the Central Division, you know, because they do have the Blackhawks, the Dallas Stars made a huge a couple huge splashes over the over the summer. Minnesota Wild, they may have taken their first steps, you know, being one of the elite teams in this league, you know, qualifying for the playoffs last year. The St. Louis Blues are always solid, and, you know, the Winnipeg Jets are young and, and stockpiled with talent, so it's tough to even – it's hard to say this because, you know, the, the Predators were two wins away from the Stanley Cup, but it's, it's hard to even say that, you know, they can make it out of their division because of how stacked and stockpiled the Central Division can be and talented it is. Yeah, I mean, they could go anywhere from making a deep run to not not making the playoffs. Um, and, and just for the record, other than Colorado, who's just awful and will be awful again, this seems like a five-team playoff division to me, just given what the Pacific looks like and the improvements by Dallas and Winnipeg, who missed last year. I just think this is going to be a deep division. But, yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, and especially because Pecker and A had a couple throwback games, but it, se- it sure seems like he's regressing in net. I do like Nick Benino as an addition from Pittsburgh, but I don't know that they have enough offense to continually make deep runs. It's going to be tough, but we're all wondering about the return of the Blackhawks. If they're, you know, the the shocking sweep in the first round to Nashville, they made an interesting move in the offseason. Panarin traded for the returning Brandon Saad. It it seemed like another deal where Panarin was not going to get signed. They didn't have enough money to sign him, so they made a trade to get someone familiar back. We know Chicago thrives when there's moving parts, but was last year, you think, a blip in the radar? Are they back to being the same old Blackhawks, or you think they're going to have some tough times coming up? I don't know. It, it's, hard to, it's hard to say, you know, it's anything more than blip, a blip of a radar because they do still have all these pieces that, I mean, it's kind of more the same what we talked about with the, the Kings. They have all these guys that have been there and done it before, so you want to just say it's a blip on the radar. You know, the Kings missing the playoffs two or three years is a blip on the radar. The the Blackhawks getting swept by you know what most saw as a major underdog in, in the Predators last year was is a, a blip in the radar. But you you have you still have players you have players like Patrick Kane you have leaders like Jonathan Taves they made the moves in the off season but you know it's it's there's still the Blackhawks so you can't really write them off because of maybe a subpar playoff performance last season. Yeah, the thing is, though, they're going to get old eventually. It happens to every team. I don't think they're there yet, but that's the risk you run when you have all these big money players is that eventually the bottom will drop out. And and I think the age is, is most reflective on the blue line. I mean, Duncan Keith, Hall of Famer, Brett Seabrook, probably Hall of Famer. Those guys are in their mid, approaching their mid-30s, so... Uh, that's where I think the age will show. But, Eric, if you're looking at a team to actually win this division, and I'm just talking regular season now, the Minnesota Wild might be it, given that Boudreaux is 
seems like he's as a coach built for the regular season. They had the best goal differential last year by a mile in the Western Conference at plus 58. And I just think this team, Minnesota, depth-wise, is built to win this division. It's going to be hard to pick any one team, but that's who I would take. Yeah, no, definitely. They were part of, you know, one of the bigger trades in the offseason, you know, dealing Palmonville and Scandella to Buffalo. But, you know, they got back in very capable pieces with Ennis and Foligno. They they seem like they have it figured out. They have, you know, they have a veteran presence in, in Stahl and Koivu. They have, you know, the young stuff. They, I don't want to call them stuff because they're not really quite at that level. But, you know, they have the young people that are capable, you know, in Niederreiter, Zucker, Coyle, stuff like that. And they have, you know, a defensive presence. Ryan Sutter is a beast on the blue line. And Devin Dubnik looks like he's developed into, you know, one of the top goaltenders in this league. So, um, yeah, the Minnesota Wilds in the Central Division, it looks like last season was the first step, you know, into becoming one of those teams that people are afraid to afraid of and circle on the calendars. And this season could be a big season for the, the people up in Minnesota. Certainly can be. You know, Mike Yo in St. Louis, what they're able to do um, with that team, I think you're starting to see some of the young pieces get accustomed there. And they were a tough out. They beat the Wild in the playoffs last year before losing to Nashville in six games. And then the Dallas Stars, who I think if you picked one team in this league, Eric, a team that missed the playoffs last year to make a run this year, I think a lot of people would take Dallas given it's Ken Hitchcock. He's a regular season coach that can get his team to a, a, a good regular season record. They get a goalie finally in Ben Bishop. They add a defenseman. They were pretty active in the offseason. I think it'll bode well for this upcoming tilt. Oh yeah, they definitely they were if if you were to crown a team uh, a Stanley Cup champion just based on their offseason moves, I think the Dallas Stars would would walk away with the title right now because you know they they won the Central Division two years ago and they had a dramatic fall down the standings this year, but you know they went out and got some big pieces. They were also a, a team that you know has a problem with has a history of problems with in the net, and you know they went out they traded with the Kings and got uh, Ben Bishop's contract rights. They signed him to a long term deal. They went out and got players like um, Alexander Radulov, Martin Hansel. So, you know, they brought in some major pieces this year. And, you know, they're, they're trying to rebound from what's ultimately a, a very subpar season for, you know, for players like Jamie Benn, who some people were saying, you know, should, should lead his team and take that next step into the playoffs, deep into the playoffs this year. We'll have to see what happens. But, all right, Money Mitch Effect, Eric Roberts. Let's go to the Eastern Conference NHL 2017-18 preview. And the Atlantic Division, Eric, very fascinating because, again, similar to Dallas, you have a team that a lot of people are, are crowning as a potential favorite who didn't even make the playoffs last year, and that's the Tampa Bay Lightning. If, if you look at the betting odds for this division, Tampa Bay is near the top, which is intriguing because they didn't make the playoffs, but I think makes a ton of sense if – and a big if here, if Steven Stamkos can remain healthy, I would really like their chances here. Definitely. I mean, when Stamkos is in your lineup, you're going to be your your odds are definitely going to flip, uh, take a 180 in most cases. You know, he went out early with a, with an injury last year. I mean, I think at that point he was had like 17 points in 20 games or something like that. Um, and some people were had him in the talks for the MVP race. But you know, losing a player to that caliber is just definitely going to stunt your team season. But, you know, they went out and they, uh, Iserman went out and got some major pieces this year, brought in some great and Chris Kunitz, brought out some more leadership in uh, Dan Girardi on the blue line, which is going to prove huge, that pay huge dividends, you know, with players, with younger players in the system, you know. Um, and then, like we said, a uh, healthy Steven Stamkos and even a healthy Ryan Callahan is going to just really pay dividends for a team that, that a few years ago, you know, was just a couple wins away from the Cup and um, took us 
step backwards last year because of an unfortunate injury to you know one of the biggest, the best hockey players in the world. Right. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I just want to see him back out there just for the good of the game and see what that Tampa Bay offense can look like with him with Kucherov. Um, which way they'll go. Four teams, Eric, made the playoffs from this division last year. Montreal won it. Ottawa, who made the conference finals and, and lost in a double overtime or triple overtime game. Double, I should say, against Pittsburgh. Boston, Toronto, uh, those were the four teams. A lot of people like Toronto. Boston's always there. Who would you say of those four teams from last year would be your favorite of them to make a deep run this season? Oh, man, I don't know. I mean, it's tough to it's tough to get around – there's a lot of hype around the, the Maple Leafs, which you, you know I think a lot of people get blinded by, just because you know they're all that they're like that new toy that you know on Christmas Eve that just unwrap you want to play with. Their youth presence is even, is even greater than the the Oilers. You know they they have a le- like a little bit of less of a veteran pre- presence. You know they did go out and get Patrick Marleau this offseason, um, but you know they're still anchored by you know kids who have just been in their first year. You know Mitch Marner's, Austin Matthews, uh, even Nazem Kadri's not that old. Um, yet, you know, but they're anchored by these teams that had, or these younger kids that had really big breakout years last year. So it's going to be tough to rely on them to come back and duplicate their season. But, you know, the Boston Bruins, it's always tough to get to bet against them. You know, they, they're another team with that veteran presence. You know, the Patrice Bergeron's, the Nanocharas, Tuka Rask, they've been there before. So, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if the Bruins figured it out and rebounded from, you know, an early exit last year. Yeah, it's fascinating to me because there's a ton of hype around Toronto, and a lot of it's deserved because of that Matthews, Nylander, uh, Marner combo. It's just amazing. You add Marlowe, you get some solid play out of your goaltender. I don't. I still think they're a little bit away from making that deep run. They remind me of what kind of Edmonton was last year. I think they're going to need another year under their belts to really make it a deep impact. Boston, you know, at getting Pasternak signed, I think was good, but I'm still, I'm still in the mix on that team. And Montreal, my big problem with them, I mean, talent-wise, they're good, but I think they're too dependent on defensive style hockey. And for whatever it is, Eric, I just like how Ottawa plays, and I know they made that run last year, but I just like that style. It's not the most flashy. It's team-oriented defense. They don't make a lot of mistakes, and when you have Eric Carlson back there, it makes it easy. But if I had to pick a team, I might lean Ottawa again this year. Yeah, no, Ottawa. They're definitely. It's it was funny. It's fun watching them because it's they're really like a a punch counter punch kind of team. They kind of sit back and you know they're not really gonna. They can match you and get in a run and gun game if they want, but that's not really the style they'll play. They'll kind of, they'll they'll play with you and they'll wait for you to make a mistake. And when they make a mistake, they're gonna pounce on it. You know whether it's a quick dump in and a quick shot out of the corner. A, you know a quick turnover and a quick outlet pass into the slot. They they really are a very quick counter punch team. And that's how, you know, a lot during the playoffs last year, you, I think you saw how successful they were, you know, waiting for you to make a mistake and then pouncing on it when they, when they had the opportunity. And I would also say one thing with this division, Eric, I think the Sabres are a dark horse to make the playoffs this year. They've been as close as you can get to not making it in these last couple of years. Uh, Eichel just needs to stay healthy. Kane, if Evander Kane can give them something, Kyle Acaposo, I would not be surprised if they made that push for the 7 or 8 seed. Oh yeah, no, you know they they definitely have they have some of the weapons. I don't want to say the weapons because you know they 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 are still missing some pieces. You know the net still it's re- kind of a reoccurring thing. But you know the the playing the net is Robin Leonard going to you know develop into you know one of the a reliable starting goaltender this year. And they, you know they need to get more offensive production. Missing Jack Eichel for a handful of games last year did, didn't help. They finished I want to say in the bottom three in the Eastern Conference in goals last year, but. They are capable, you know. They have um, 
they went out and they got Phil Housley. They they shipped out, you know, it's kind of the same situation with the Kings, shipped out a GM, shipped out a head coach. They have the pieces. They they brought Jack, back Jason Palmerville. They have Jack Eichel. They have Ryan O'Reilly. They have lots of pieces, but this is going to be the year. Can Ocposo, can, can Ryan O'Reilly, can Matt Molson, can they all gel and find you? They have Evander Kane who had a career or who was too short of a career year last year. Yeah. But it's going to be one of those years, you know, even last, at the, towards the end of last season, Eichel called out some of his teammates asking, he's like, it looks like people want to win, but he doesn't know if it's, people actually truly want to win. So, you know, they have, they have lots of pieces, lots of young pieces. It's whether or not, you know, they can mesh this year and take that next step to be one of the better teams in their division. And you know that Buffalo fan base is just thirsty for a playoff appearance. As loyal of a fan oh, base they, as there is. They need something out there. They need something to cheer for. They got in the football. If they can all start clicking out there, it might, it might be a little more sunny in Buffalo. They do. They do. All right. Money Mitch Effect, Eric Roberts, NHL preview. Let's look at the final division, the Metropolitan Division, the most top-heavy division in all of hockey, at least last year, with 400-point teams and uh, a couple other teams pushing along the way. Let's start with the obvious here. Pittsburgh Penguins, two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. Is a three-peat crazy? Is it out of the realm of possibility? I, I know it hasn't happened in like 30-plus 30, 30 years, but these are the Penguins. If anybody can do it, I think it might be them. It's really crazy because you look at this team and, you know, they lost the major pieces this year in, in players like, uh, you know, Flurry. They lost Flurry to the expansion draft. They lost players like we've mentioned, you know, Kunitz, Bonino, Cullen, and they even lost some, you know, people on the blue line. But you, we're still talking about, you know what, they could probably make it three in a row. It's, it's really crazy. That just goes to show the talent they have, you know. They have possibly the best player in the world in, in Cindy Crosby. They have other very capable forwards in, you know, Evgeny Malkin. You can't look anywhere on that roster without saying, okay, he could be a first liner on somebody else's team. He could contribute any given night. The yeah. answer in, in Ned and Matt Murray. It's really crazy how much they lost this year, but still how well um, equipped they are moving into the season. So every team that wins a title, you know, even though Penguins did it back-to-back years, you wonder if they're going to be tired, if their legs are going to get to them the following year. And, and that could be a case, but you mentioned their depth as being a way that they can overcome that. I'm intrigued by two different things. One being, who are they going to get at the trade deadline for the third-line center? Because Nick Benino is not there, and, and I think they're going to be the team that finds a center somewhere, and we'll have to evaluate that in the spring. But that'll be one thing. The other thing, Eric, is Murray is the guy now. I mean, he kind he pretty much was the guy, but there isn't that flurry you know, insurance policy over his shoulder. I'm, I'm always intrigued when goalies officially become the guy, when no one else is left in town to challenge them. So I'll, I'll be interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, very true. I mean, we saw Murray come in, kind of burst onto the scene a few years ago during the playoffs. And even during last year's playoffs, you know, he had an injury problem to start the playoffs. And, you know, they did have that safety valve map in Mark Andre Fleury to come in, you know, anchor the team while Murray got healthy. So you're very, you're very right. You know, it's going to be interesting to see because Murray, he's only in what, this will be his second full season. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, him pull out a full 82 game season as the one. As the one guy, not 1A, not 1B, as the number one. And then you have the Capitals, Eric, who last two years, President's Trophy winners, also losing to the Penguins in the second round of the playoffs. Is it time to start expecting a step back? We kind of already saw it a little bit with Ovechkin going from 50 goals to just a pedestrian for him, 33. But this team's paying a lot of money to a lot of veterans. Is the window closing for them? You know, I mean, I think it is, it's t- and it's tough to say because, you know, it's, it's when they have players like Ovechkin and, you know, uh, Holtby leading this team, but 
They lost some key parts, you know, and Justin Williams leaving this year. They're going to slowly start regressing because they are getting older, and it's you know, it's just it's tough to say, but it's it's in in their division alone, it's going to be harder to you know to keep pace. And it's on a team that's won back-to-back Presidents Trophies. It's t- it's weird to say, you know, but it's, you know, I think they are just slow, they're going to slowly start taking steps back. Not like huge dramatic step back, you know. I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs or anything, but I don't think they're going to be you know the uh, the lead horse setting the pace for the rest of the league like they have been right this is a league in transition and when you tie up a lot of money and you go all in like they did you know some of the moves they made that comes with a price and it could be the future so (laughs) we'll see how many years left they have i think they are a real contender this year but it is definitely closing i don't think it's closed just yet a team that i i think it may have closed on though sadly uh for their fans eric is the new york rangers if i had to pick a team to not make the playoffs that made it before I'd look at this roster and, and think they're a, t- a chief candidate. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's 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 hard to it's tough to say because you know they've all they've just always been kind of that team that's around in the mix, and they've come up short. I mean, they lost to the the uh, the Kings in the in, in the Stanley Cup final a few years ago. They've always been around. Henrik Lundqvist has always been in the Vezina talks, and you know he's always been talked as one of the best goalies in the world. He's won he's won Olympic gold medals, world championships. But you know his his success has never transitioned into the NHL. So you talk about him, it's like, oh, he's never won a cup. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it's like, and he's 35 already. Are you, oh. yeah. And you just kind of can't you kind of can't say that they're going to be a favorite. You know, they're not they're going to be the team to beat because he is 35 and his numbers have slowly started creeping up as the last few seasons have gone. So it's tough to say. It might not have slammed shut on him, but it might have definitely inched 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 close on Henrik Lundqvist and the Rangers. It might have. Now, uh, another team, and yeah, you mentioned his age. I think it's just it's it's getting to that point with him, unfortunately. But another team people are high on, and I, and I think I'm right there with them, the Columbus Blue Jackets are a young, deep team that appears to be going upward. That's a team that I don't know how you feel about their cup chances, but if Washington's on the decline, it's going to depend on how they can do against Pittsburgh, but a lot to like about that young Blue Jackets squad based on how last year played out. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I mean, just jumping off of that before even diving into like you know they have the base of what happened. They have a team that won 16 games in a row last year, and they went out and got players like Artemi Panarin. Like that's that's only going to make your team better. Um, and sure, they lost Brandon Saad, who's a big locker room guy, but Artemi Panarin is going to bring tons of offense to an already stacked offensive team. And they have you know they have Sergey Bobrovsky in net anchoring him. It's just going to be. It's it's. They're going to be a very good team in their division, and they're going to they're going to be on the Penguins' heels, if not in front of them, for chunks of the season next year. Yeah, Bobrovsky is a game changer too. This is a deep team, and the rest of the division fascinating, with the exception of the Devils, not really expected to factor in. But you have the Flyers that were a couple points away from a playoff spot. If they can rebound, Carolina, everybody is on board there as them making a step up and pushing. For the playoffs and the Islanders, you have the Tavares factor, Eric, where he may not resign. So this is a big year for them. The bottom of this division is still going to be very competitive and fun to watch. Yeah, no, they're definitely. You have you have star players sprinkled throughout every team in this division. It really is. If you want to watch a flip on a game and you want to see some star talent, you're going to be watching a team in the Metropolitan Division. It's just how it's going to work. I mean, I think the the, the dark horse in this division is going to be the Carolina Hurricanes. This year, I mean, Justin Williams went over to that team. He says he says it's a team he, that he went to because they're on the cusp of you know making major waves in the NHL. And I believe them. You know, they 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 look like they're poised. You know, Jeff Skinner's a stud, um, and I think they they could make some waves or at least play spoiler to some some teams down the road. 
later in the season. Yeah, when you have Williams too, you know that's a good thing for games. So let's see if Carolina can get there. All right, Money Mitch Effect, Eric Roberts, before we wrap this up, this NHL preview with some way, way, way too early uh, Stanley mm-hmm. Cup predictions. One team you left out, I left out on purpose, is the newest team in the league, the eighth team in the Pacific Division, the Vegas Golden Knights. And I know we're not really expecting much from an expansion team in their first year, but outside of uh, a really funny social media presence, what can we really expect from the Knights this year? Oh man, I don't, I don't know, man, and I think that's the fun part. They're like, they're, they're new thing. They're the new kid at school. They have what some people say these funky little uniforms and these weird logos, and they kind of sit in the back of the class and you really know how to feel for them. But you look at them and you look like they look capable because they have a bunch of familiar faces. You know, they have uh, Mark Andre Fleury in net. You know, he's a Stanley Cup champion. He's a great goalie. So I mean, just that alone, you know, he can, he can steal you some games. But it's going to be great to see, you know, a new team on the block and to see just them form a kind of image around the team in these first couple weeks, first couple games, and to really see what they can bring. And, you know, maybe even, you know, upset a team or two, beat a, beat a Penguins team on the road or, mm-hmm. you know, put up a huge home performance in front of those crazy fans of Vegas. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the thing. And it's going to be fun to see when, when teams are playing physically in Vegas just for the spectacle there. But, yeah, I mean, they're – they're not a playoff team, but they're not. They're they're professionals. They're gonna play hard, and they're gonna be capable of yeah. off some upsets. So that's the fun part to see what happens and if new rivalries are built. I think their Twitter is trying to do that and uh, doing a good job at that. But we'll see what happens. All right, Eric, it's that time for our predictions. I know it's way too early. I know we're we're just re- going out on a limb here. But if you had to pick conference final and final for each. How do you see this NHL season playing out? Oh, man, this is tough because like it's it's really tough because you know you 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 want to base things off of how you saw teams play last year, but then you know like there's plenty of movement in the conference or in the both conferences this going into the season. Mm-hmm. But you know I like I like the Oilers, I really do. I mean, but then the Sharks, I like I like the Sharks also coming out of the Pacific Division. But I'm gonna go with I'm gonna I like the Minnesota Wild and the Oilers to come okay. out of the West. Okay. And then I like the Oilers to, to beat the Wild to represent the Western Conference in the Stanley Cup Final oh, wow. for the West. Okay. And then the East? Yeah. And then in the East, I'm going to go with the Columbus Blue Jackets to take on the Tampa Bay Lightning in the East and then the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Oilers. Okay. A little, little East Coast, West Coast thing there for us. And who takes the Cup? And I'm going I'm to go with the Oilers, man. Wow. I I know it's a popular pick, but they are just—they look like they're ready for it, and they—I just can't get over McDavid. What he does, how good he is. If he can stay healthy, I think he's going to put up some unreal numbers compared to even what he put up last year. He can—I think he's—it's insane to say as a 20-year-old, but I think he can—he can hold the weight of pretty much an entire nation coming from Canada, and you know, bringing Canada's wow. first cut back to the Great White North. You know, I we didn't. Just for the record, we didn't go over picks before we started this. Um, my Western or my Eastern Conference final is going to be Columbus and Tampa Bay, just like you said. Although I do like Columbus coming out of there. In the West, I have the Oilers and the Blackhawks. If for no other reason, how great would that series be? If that was the oh Conference man, that final? would be awesome. I uh, have the Oilers coming out and Oilers Columbus. I'm with you. I like the Oilers to win the Cup this year. I just I think it just feels right and. The only thing better than I think an Oilers uh, Blackhawks series would be if, and I, and I didn't pick them, but if it was Penguins Oilers, and we could see a physical passing of the torch, 
I mean, that would be amazing too. But how great would that be? Instead of Batman coming out, you know, Crosby comes out and hands it over to to McDavid. <laughs> Pretty crazy. And I even though I think we both picked Columbus, Tampa Bay, which isn't the <laughs> biggest hockey markets, and I don't think Batman would be too crazy about that. But hey, look, honestly. If we get McDavid in the final, if we get uh, a returning Stamkos, even you know a Chicago or Columbus in there, I think the game's going to be in a good place this year. So I'm excited. I think it will be good. I think we'll, we'll have to see what the next step in all these young careers is going to hold. It's going to take place. But Eric Roberts, thanks for coming on the show. This was fun. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to uh, recap some more hockey as uh, the months go on. Oh, definitely, man. Definitely. Hockey is here. I'm stoked. I'm ready to strap in for the long, the marathon that is a, that is the hockey season. Starts tomorrow night. Uh, thanks again, Eric. Appreciate you coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Oh, anytime, buddy. Big thanks to both Ryan Souls and Eric Roberts for coming on the Money Mitch Effect show. It was uh, great having them on, and I just want to say on a serious side, I know this is a sports show, and I aim to just be informative, be a little quirky and funny when I can be. Uh, My thoughts, just like many of the, just like pretty much all the other Americans, are with those affected by the tragic incident in Las Vegas, all the lives that were lost. I'm praying for them. I'm praying for their families. If you can help in any way, please do. We're going to come together. We're going to try to be better. I I know it it sucks. The world looks like it's an awful place sometimes. But if there's any silver lining in this, it's the people that donated blood. It's the people that protected other Americans. You know, the world is is, can be a messed up place sometimes. And uh, it it is nice to see people looking out for one another. And and to the heroes that saved lives, you know, you are unbelievable people. And we are forever indebted to those heroes that saved lives. Some even lost their lives out there. So thoughts and prayers to everybody there if you can help please do help uh that's today's money mitch effect episode i want to say there will be another episode this week we're going to talk college football and then we got to talk baseball the baseball playoffs start tonight with the wild card game we're going to do a divisional round preview so i got wild card games coming up yankees twins tonight rockies diamondbacks tomorrow i'm going to say yankees and rockies rockies on the road i was high on that team i'm going to go down with the ship but Yankees should win tonight, play my Indians, but hey, don't choke New York. That's all I'm going to say there. But this was the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks again to everybody for listening. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. I am Mitch Michaels. This is the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, keep enjoying sports.